Well, folks, there is a new virus on the loose. Globally, there are now 4,593 confirmed cases of this virus, mostly in China. Only 56 cases have been reported in 14 countries other than China. But now, here in Germany, we have human-to-human -human transmission of this virus, with, which is important. Uh, we have three cases reported to have been spread by a woman working for a German car parts supplier who herself didn't even start showing symptoms until on her flight back to China. Within China, there's 4,537 confirmed cases, 6,973 suspected cases, 976 severe cases, and 106 deaths as of January 28, 2020, according to World Health Organization situation reports. Well, if you've listened to this show before, you know we have a fondness to talk about diseases, and that's what this episode is about. Let's get into it, and let's talk coronavirus. For those of you who don't actually know, I did do a PhD degree studying parasites and diseases epidemiology. Uh, my co-host Brad also works in this field, so this is where our interest and knowledge in these topics come from. So of all the things we talk about on this show, we actually are probably the most qualified to talk about these. Now, having said that, Make sure to check out the website tobradforyou.wordpress.com because I am going to put up links to all the sources I can. Some of the stuff I've gotten from Twitter and whatnot, so I'll try and give you all the relevant Twitter handles as well. Um, all this information regarding what I'm going to talk about today because there are many, many great journalists and scientists, obviously, that know way more than me and where I'm getting a lot of my um, reporting from. Having said that, let's start from the basics. So viruses. Viruses are a really neat uh, type of parasite because, you know, there's always been this long-standing debate as to whether they're actually alive or not. Because really, they don't have the machinery to live on their own. They're not like a cell that can sort of, the single cell that has all of the necessary proteins and machinery to replicate itself, provide itself with energy, consume resources in order to produce energy, all of this kind of stuff. They don't. They're just sort of packages of these tiny bits of DNA or RNA that really only have enough sort of machinery to attach onto a cell and then, you know, like a key fits in a lock, unlock that cell and unload the DNA and RNA or RNA contents that it has into that cell. So once inside, this DNA, RNA stuff will interact with the cell's machinery, the ribosomes, etc., that read, you know, the cell's own DNA and help produce, you know, all the parts of the cell. Um, it will like interact with that machinery of the cell. And instead of you know, replicating the cellular parts, it replicates 
the virus, the virus DNA. Um, and in doing so, this is how a virus reproduces. It hijacks other cells and it reproduces so much. It takes over the cell and the cell just begins copying viral DNA, RNA over and over and over and over again. And eventually that kills the cell and it'll burst and it'll release more of these viral packages to then go find other cells. So this is how viruses work and it's pretty sinister. I mean, it's pretty, it's basically like the ultimate uh, parasite. And like I said, they're really, until they find that right cell uh, that they're designed to to infect, they really, they're inert. They're just these little bits of DNA. So it's really kind of weird. It's almost like a, um, bits of junk DNA that, you know, when they find the right uh, conditions, just snap into action and then uh, take over the cell and use the cell's own parts to replicate itself rather than the cell. So let's talk coronaviruses. Coronaviruses is just refers to a group of related viruses um, and this new one that is causing the 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 outbreak is from this group uh, called the coronaviruses and these normally infect animals. Bats, I believe, is a, is a common host. So when we were talking about before the machinery that's designed to like seek out, fit onto, and unlock a cell. Generally, these coronaviruses do that with animal cells. So not every virus can attach to and then infect uh, any cell. However, if they mutate a little bit or the cells are, are close enough, so say closely related host species, the cells look you know, close enough to the virus that it can get in, then we can have what we call these jumps, these species jumps. And you may have heard that in reference to this new coronavirus, that it's jumped from animals into humans. So this is caused, again, like like I said, by these mutations or something uh, that will then allow it to recognize the human cell and get into it. And viruses actually mutate very quickly. And that's because they replicate quickly, like inside a cell, they're, they're making thousands and thousands and thousands of copies of themselves um, over a short period of time. So this means that there's lots of chances for uh, errors to occur in that replication process. And that's, you know, your mutations. And then if one of those happens to be beneficial, um, it's going to spread. And that's the second part of this is there's this immense selection pressure uh, because uh, put onto the viruses by the host. And that's because, you know, you have the immune system trying to stop these things and any sort of mutation that basically renders the virus unable to infect a cell is, it's not going to spread. It's just going to die away right away. So there's this really strong pressure uh, that the successful ones, you know, have a lot of space to replicate and and um, reproduce, and the unsuccessful ones just disappear very, very quickly. So it's a, the viruses are constantly being honed uh, by natural selection to become more and more infective. Um, and this is the same with true. The same. This is the same. The same is true with any parasite, really. And and, and this is why when we talk about antibacterial resistance being such a problem, it's the same thing. The bacteria can reproduce really, really quickly. And they're under immense selection pressure from 
drugs or the immune system to um, overcome those challenges. So this jump from humans or from animals to humans rather is actually really, really important because so many of the scary, scary viruses, the pandemic causing viruses come from animals. And when they make the jump to humans, they're particularly deadly um, because our immune system has never seen them before. So when you have a situation where, say in the animals, this virus has been around for thousands and thousands of years, um, the immune system has learned to cope with it, and this selection process has kind of more or less led to a, a balancing out. So some of the animals will die, but a lot of them will carry the virus and not die. It, um, they've kind of come to this equilibrium more or less um, in the arms race between the virus being able to infect and kill and the immune system being able to keep it under control. However, when it jumps suddenly from, to a new species like us humans, then our immune system has never seen these things before. So they're just, they don't, they don't have the antibodies and the necessary components to, to fight it. So this is why they become so, so deadly. Um, you know, think of Ebola jumped from, from bats to humans. Um, the other coronaviruses that you may have heard of are SARS uh, and MERS, so Middle East Respiratory Syndrome, both coronaviruses that uh, are believed to have come from bats, then into something else, then into humans. So this animal reservoir of viruses as it's, or diseases as it's, as it's referred to, is important because climate change and ecological change in general, so our destruction of natural habitats and stuff, is putting us into contact with animals more and more. And it's so it's really, it's only a matter of time before more and more of these viruses pop, pop up into the population. Think about um, the Australian wildfires that are happening right now. How many animals are being forced to flee forests that are burning and end up in cities, end up in contact with people, and then they could be carrying who knows what viruses. And the more contact there is, the more chances that there are for, you know, some variant, some mutated variant of, a, of, of an animal virus to find a host and in, in, in a human and, and take off. So this is like a, actually a really important um, part of this story, because as it turns out, um, it looks like this new coronavirus isn't as deadly as even SARS. Uh, SARS had a 10% mortality. This looks to be uh, a 3 to 5% mortality, although, you know, again, it's still early, early going, so these numbers could change. But it does appear to be very contagious, and so it, it could spread really quickly. So again, while, while maybe uh, it's not the most... Um, deadly virus we'll see, it's really important to sort of highlight the fact that these things are going to keep happening the more and more we, you know, mess with the environment. So this is the, you know, requisite climate change, ecological change warning that comes along with a story like this. So if we look at the virus itself, uh, what's going on, or rather the outbreak itself, what's going on. There's a couple really interesting things that have that have come out um, to me 
that will also sort of speak to sort of larger larger issues when it comes to viruses and outbreaks. And the first of this is, what is the source? So you may have heard a lot about this um, market in the city of Wuhan. Wuhan is the city where it was first sort of diagnosed this this virus. Um, and it, right away, it was believed that there was there were at least there was accounts that there was a live food, seafood uh, market that was the source. And this makes sense, like I said, because of these interactions between animals and humans. A lot of times, these live animal markets are the source. However, there was a paper that came out in the Lancet uh, last Friday, so that would be the 24th, I believe, um, and there's an accompanying science news piece, uh, again, both linked to on our website, um, that seemed to cast doubt on this. So if we look at um, the report in The Lancet, clinical features of patients infected with 2019 novel coronavirus in Wuhan, China. It was put together by a group of scientists uh, in China. What they found was that by 2nd of January 2020, 41, they had 41 admitted hospital patients. So most of these patients were men. Um, less than half had underlying, de- underlying diseases, including diabetes, uh, hypertension, cardiovascular disease, something like this. So that's, you know, sidebar here, that's an important point, um, is that a lot of times, you know, when there's a there's a viral outbreak, you see like the, the old or um, people who are already sick with other diseases dying, like the weak, basically, some they're somehow weakened their immune system. Um, so this is less than half of these people had underlying diseases. Um, and then the median age of these people was 49 years of age. Uh, that ranged from 41 to 58. So slightly older uh, population. But here's the really interesting thing is that 27 of the 41 patients who had been had been exposed to this market. So that's 66%, um, which is, you know, it's over half, but it also means that there's a lot of people or a significant number of these patients who had no uh, contact with the market. And in fact, when we look at the uh, Science News report, um, they report that the earliest case, uh, which I believe was on the 1st of December, had no reported link to the market. So there's a evidence now emerging that the market might not be the source. Um, I saw another tweet uh, from last week that said, um, and again, I'm kind of just going off memory here, so um, it was something like 20% of cases had um, a link to the market, 30% had a link to another known infected person, and 50% had no known link. So this is really kind of an important detail, I think, and, and kind of a you know, and not to be too morbidly fascinated by this, but a fascinating one, because if you've heard us talk about diseases on this show before, um, you know that contact tracing um, is the way in which we we deal with with outbreaks. So contact tracing being finding out where the virus came from, and then identifying all the people who have been there as potential um, carriers of the virus, and then 
looking at those people and who they've been in contact with, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So you really have to have this fan out process, which, you know, takes a lot of, you know, boots on the ground, so to speak, um, in terms of finding out who's been in touch with who, who, you know, these links, they said, these epidemiological links. Um, and if the market is, was one where we, everyone was focusing, and then it turns out that there is, you know, that's not the place, then we've kind of been going in the wrong direction. Um, and there might be some other source um, that we need to get a hold of. Um, so it's possible that the virus was brought to the market and then a bunch of people got sick from there and that it is that it is not the source. Um, again, from this science article, uh, they say that it this, this uh, paper in The Lancet also raises questions about the accuracy of the initial information China provided. Um, again, because it's, it's, it looks like that they might have known that uh, the market wasn't the source and just sort of kind of held on to that or didn't release that information um, right away. So that kind of brings us to the next interesting point here in that how do we respond to these things? And like I said, the uh, contact tracing is 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 the biggest thing. So under you know understanding the source, and then um, you know going from there, sort of <clears throat> fanning out and finding all the people who might have had contact with that source, and then the people they have had contact with, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and this comes to the government's response. Um, and I'll link to a podcast that I listened to um, on our website as well. It's the Pod Save the World podcast, where they talk to a um, infectious disease, well, public health uh, specialist in their latest episode. And he gave some really good um, details uh, about this, about this um, aspect and his name is Abdul El Sayed. Uh, but anyway, he was focusing on um, the the Chinese response. Um, and you may have heard about how they're building this new hospital uh, super, super quickly. You know, they've got this new hospital building and uh, they're going to build it in like 10 days or something like this. And while that's good, I mean, it helps... Um, People, it will be able to treat people who are already infected. Um, El Sayed was talking about how this kind of misses the point because you need what you really need is is primary care uh, centers, so more distributed centers in the community where you can have these contact tracings going on. You kind of have a front line um, presence there to work uh, because when you have hospitals, you have people who they get sick, and if they all just go to the hospital. Then you have giant clusters of sick people interacting with non-sick people, family members, uh, health workers, and stuff, and it just creates like this sort of this sort of breeding ground. Um, so, really, he was saying that the focus, rather than like on these big hospitals and and treatment places, you know, it should be these sort of primary care places where people can go and say, "Hey, you know, we have someone who's sick. Uh, where should we go? What should we do?" You can kind of get some some quick treatment, a quick assessment, um, maybe stay, get advised to stay in your home, 
um, until your condition worsens and then go to the hospital or go there and then they'll bring you to the hospital. So you have more of a sort of coordinated flow of cases and not just a mad jam um, at the at the hospitals. And then also it's the it's the contact tracing, you know. And so the other thing that we've seen in response um, from the Chinese government is this massive lockdown, which would just be really, really scary um, if you're there, you know, just getting, you know, shut down. Uh, and I saw some, you know, so the whole city is shut down, transport going in and out. Uh, it's sort of not allowed to be on the street right now. Um, if you are on the street, you have to have a mask. Um and so this could be really, you know, breeds a lot of fear, I'd imagine, among the, among the population. And it also, um, while it seems like a like a like a quick response, and you know, good for them for like trying to lock down the spread. Really, your, and this is what uh, again El Sayed was saying, is that you kind of, you don't. So you've got these contained, these large contained areas, but without, again, the contract tracing and things going on within it, you're just creating a, a bubble where the virus will be able to spread within that. I mean, people are still going to come in and out of those areas. You won't be able to completely lock it down. And um, so it's it might not be as, as effective as, as it might seem. Um, and then this comes to trust as well. So living outside of China, we all kind of have, um, we've all seen the reports and stuff about uh, lack of transparency uh, from the Chinese government, things like this. And there was, there have been some news reports too, um, Western reporters in China talking about how the state newspapers don't really mention the outbreak at all uh, in the papers. And you know, if we look at the, the Ebola situation, the current Ebola situation, you see how a lack of trust um, can really hinder uh, uh, response effort to, to, to an outbreak. Um, so if you don't trust your government and you're not, you're then less likely to go to them and say, hey, we have sick people at home or I think I might be sick, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and if the government isn't transparent in telling people what to do, you're just, you're kind of just pushing it under the rug. So yes, you've locked it all down, but within those lockdown areas, are the right things happening? Or is it just a matter of, well, let's just, you know, contain the fire and let it burn itself out. I'm not saying that's what's happening, but it raises this question, um, of what's the appropriate response and having trust in your government and your health system. So in most countries, uh, in Europe, America, Canada, we have really good public health infrastructure. And so um, you would think it shouldn't be a problem. Um, but this is where I have to mention again, of course, our friends in the anti, in the anti-vax movement, you know, this, again, just shows this eroding trust in some of these institutions that, you know, in a situation like this, we absolutely need. And if people are afraid to interact with the the health system um, and they don't trust it, you can really, really um, 
exacerbate an outbreak situation. Again, look at Ebola. Um, people not wanting to, not trusting and not wanting to work with the first responders there leads to this breakdown in uh, contact tracing, etc. Um, so thanks again, anti-vax movement. Uh, again, if you've listened to the show, you know how I feel about that. Um, from there, let's say, let's talk again about, let's get back to the coronavirus. So it is brand new. It's novel. We've never seen it before. Um, so there is no vaccine. Uh, the treatment is, I'm guessing just, you know, sort of bed rest care. You try and do what you can to, um, keep the person um, healthy enough to fight off the the infection. It is a pulmonary infection, so it causes pneumonia. Um, and now I think it's important to talk about uh, how contagious it is. So this is the, the ongoing um, question that we currently don't have a good answer to, although it does now seem like in Germany, because we have these three cases of this stemming from a visit from a from someone from China who then didn't really show symptoms until they were already leaving the country. Um, this shows us that the virus can be transmitted before the person is showing symptoms, and this is um, this is problematic to say the least, uh, because then you have people walking around who don't know they're sick, uh, spreading the virus, um, and then you know just further complicating. Uh, efforts to contain it um and then there's also what they call an incubation period so how long is that period where you've contracted the virus um and it's sort of growing in your cells uh how long between when you contract it to when you can start spreading it to when you start showing symptoms these are questions that still need to be to be answered. Uh, and with that information, you can get a better idea of uh, tracing backwards in time when you have a case. You could say, okay, this person is showing symptoms then, so if we know the incubation period is two weeks, let's go back two weeks and then trace their steps and try and find all the people that they may have infected. Um, so this is important information that we don't have yet. Um, but like I said, there is clues that it is um, able to transmit before symptoms are showing. Uh, so that's going to um, affect the, the, the spread. Uh, and it looks like, you know, it's possible that this one could, could spread all over. Um, the important thing to note, though, before we get too scared, is that the mortality is, is quite low. Um, in compared to you know the other uh, the other big coronavirus, the SARS virus. So SARS had about a ten percent mortality. Um, this new one, it's looking to be about three to five percent. But it's also um, really it looks to be pretty contagious. So like I said, it could spread everywhere. You're likely not going to die from it, but it could uh, you know, spread far and wide. And then in that case, you know, the more spread, even at 5% mortality, you're going to get more, more deaths. Um, the other thing that was interesting to me or that I saw in the news being debated um, a bit was this uh, RO number, R not number. And this is a, a term that uh, epidemiologists use. It's in their, their models and their formulas that um, describes 
how many people an infected person is likely to infect. Um, so it's just, yeah, a way of sort of um, quantifying the contagiousness of the, of the disease. Um, <clears throat> and again, this one, while contagious, while pretty contagious, um, is less contagious than things like measles. So the R-naught uh, of this um, new coronavirus, I think, uh, is somewhere between two and five. Um, but, I mean, measles can be something like 10 or 12. So for every person infected with measles, they're likely to infect 10 to 12 others. They can infect 10 to 12 others. Um, so when we're looking at, again, this outbreak, it's important that we're talking about it because it is likely to spread... Um, and you know, it's not, uh, it's not a not serious thing, but again, I think it's a, the, the big things that are coming out of it that we, we could use as a sort of, you know, teaching moment is, you know, the climate and ecological, ecological change, trust in our, uh, public health services and, you know, what you, Yes, this one's it's scary and it's and it's in the news, but look at the flu, look at measles, you know, look at all of these other mumps. These are these are diseases that you know will spread, you know, faster than this new than this new virus and in the terms of the flu will kill more people. Um and they're preventable. So again, like if you're looking at like if you're scared about coronavirus, uh, what should I do? I mean, wearing a mask in airports and public places, you know, not a bad thing. You know, it's not going to hurt you uh, to do that. But also, I mean, get a flu shot. Just be healthy. Get your vaccines, um, and let's take care of the ones that we can take care of. You know, we there's no reason that that measles should be, should be having a, an outbreak in Germany, which is happening right now, and more people are infected with measles than there are coronavirus. So I think that's an important thing um, to keep in mind when we're talking about this new uh, outbreak. And we will continue talking about this new outbreak. Believe you me, um, we will follow it. Because like I said, this is right in my wheelhouse. This is the stuff that I enjoy um, learning about. I find it fascinating. Um, and that's just a, this is just a the quick update for you. So uh, we'll keep on it. We'll, as relevant things come up, um, we'll, I'll try and do these, these little updates uh, as I do episodes with Brad. I'm sure we will, we will talk about it um, and let's see what happens. Uh, so yeah, like I said, in the meantime, I think there's big um, issues that we can highlight from this outbreak. Um, it will be interesting to see in the coming days uh, how we find out, uh, if we can find out, number one, the source, where is the source of this, because um, it doesn't appear to be the market, uh, number two, the incubation period, so how long uh, does it take from infection to then become infectious to others and then uh, symptoms, uh, and we'll see how the response in China is going. Um, whether they actually do contain it uh, or not, uh, how forthcoming they are with the numbers. They do appear to be uh, more forthcoming than they were with SARS. Um, 
but yeah, still a lot of questions to be answered. Um, very interesting, very interesting stuff. Um, like I said, we will have links on the website to all of the sources um, that I kind of gathered uh, up to now for for this little update. Um, I know I've mentioned her name before, but Helen Branswell on Twitter, uh, she's a reporter for Stat Magazine, is sort of my go-to when it comes to um, infectious disease um, reporting. Uh, and then, like I said, this interview that I listened to with Abdul El Sayed, uh, public health expert in America. Um, he is also on Twitter um, at Abdul El Sayed. So I'll link to those. And there's a number of other um, good Twitter accounts to follow if you do Twitter and you're interested in this stuff. And I will put all of those up on the website. Okay, that is it. Uh, that's our, our viral update. Um, thank you for listening. Stay tuned for more. As always, follow us on Twitter uh, at 2 brad for you. I am at bvanperdon. We're also on Instagram, me and the show. So listen wherever you're listening to us. Give us a comment. Give us a rating. It really does help. Give us a like on our post. Share them. That also helps. Uh, and if you have any questions or concerns, topics, whatever that you want to know more about concerning this virus, tweet at me, tweet at the show, whatever, Instagram, message me or the show, um, so that, you know, I can address them in, in the next, uh, little updates. Uh, there we go. Thank you for listening. Thanks as always to the Freak Motif for the music and we'll catch you next time. Bye now. <laughs>